All right, M12. Yeah. You guys sound so good, man. I'm so pumped that you guys are here. Uh, check it out. If this is your first time to M12, we want to give you a big, big welcome. Glad you're hanging out with us. And we are in week two of a series called Red Letter Prayers. Uh, now, last week at the end of the night, I realized something. Uh, I realized that I never really explained what Red Letter Prayers actually means. Um, so some of you are smart enough. You figured it out. But for those of you that didn't, um, some of you have like Bibles of your own. And uh, in your Bible, the text is actually in two different colors. Uh, it's in red and it's in black. And the cool thing is the words in red, that's what Jesus said. Okay? So that's how you know. Like the words in red, that's what Jesus said. Um, which is kind of like, you know, that's what she said, but more Christian. Okay? <laughs> so that's what Jesus said. Uh, but seriously, that's how you know. That's what he said is if the words are in red. So red letter prayers is all about uh, these are the prayers that Jesus actually prayed. And the cool thing about this is that uh, it also tells us that God, that God is a huge UGA fan because his word is in red and black, right? It's so obvious. Whew. Yeah. So uh, by the way, college football starts in about a month. Uh, so UGA number one, this is our year. You know what I'm saying? That, that's what every UGA fan says every year. Anyways, so we're in this series. We're talking about prayer, and here's the deal. Uh, if, if you're new to church or you're new to the whole, like, Jesus thing, or maybe it's been a while since you've been to church, uh, prayer can sometimes be a really awkward thing, right? Uh, like, because you feel it's like you're talking to someone, but he's not really there, right? So it kind of feels like you're talking to the air. And then you feel like you need to say these phrases that you've heard other people say, when they pray, and so you're like, I need to make sure that I repeat those. And then you also want your words to sound like kind of poetic, right? So you want everything to sound good. You're not really sure if it works, so it's kind of awkward. In fact, it's really awkward uh, if someone actually asks you to pray out loud, right? Like that is, you know, like, like you're circled up and someone's like, hey, can you close this in prayer? And it just, it's just like it's intensified because then everyone is listening to you and you feel like you really got to kind of turn it up. So uh, I've actually got a video uh, that, that, that maybe you guys can relate to about someone who prayed and it was just a little bit awkward. Check it out. So it was our first time at this church. Now, before we wrap up, Jeff, Cindy, I know it's your first time, but we like for all of our guests to pray for us before we go. That wouldn't make you feel awkward at all, would it? Yes. No, we'd be happy to. Do it, honey. Go ahead. Okay. Let us, let's pray. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to pray. That doesn't sound so bad. It gets worse. For the homeless, for the people who have homes, for the people who built those homes, and for Sherlock Holmes. Give us bread, Lord. And forgive us our trespasses, because we were probably lost and we didn't realize that we were on private property. Well, it's not great. Still not the worst part. And there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. <laughs> so good. So good. I think that's the first time I've ever heard uh, anyone pray for Sherlock Holmes. That's, that's impressive. That's real impressive. And so maybe you watch that video and you're like, man, that's me. 
Like that's because because every time I pray, I'm not really sure who I'm talking to, and I, it just feels like I'm kind of talking to the air, and I'm trying to be real poetic and use like old timey words. I'm not really sure what I'm doing, and if that's what prayer is, then like why even bother, right? Like why why even bother praying if all it is is just talking to the air? Now now last week I introduced you to a guy named Osley. We're going to show a picture uh, of Osley. Um, this is uh, the treasurer of the leadership council there in Circa de Haiti. So we had a chance to actually hang out with the leadership council and also got to meet Osley. And uh, towards the end of our trip in Haiti, he actually prayed for us, which was uh, a really, really humbling thing. And again, he didn't speak any English, so his, his prayer had to be translated uh, through a translator. He was speaking a Haitian Creole, and it was translated to English. But I'm telling you, even through his prayer, the, uh, uh, even through the translator, there was something different about his prayer. Like, he had more intensity. There was more fervor. There was more passion. It seemed like he had a, a closer connection with God when he prayed. There was, there was emotional breakthrough. There was spiritual breakthrough. He was quoting scripture. And, like, I'm telling you, while he was praying, I was brought to tears. And I'm watching this guy pray, and I'm thinking, I don't know if we're doing it right. Like, like I don't know if we know how to pray. Because the way we pray doesn't sound like that. And the way Osley prays, he seems to have this spiritual breakthrough that we don't have. And I think it's because when we pray, we pray uh, to a backpack God. We pray to a backpack God. Uh, here's what I mean. Um, a lot of us, uh, and again, you don't mean to, but in, in, the, in the words and in the phrases that you use when you, when you kind of think about God, when you talk to God, when you talk about God, it's as if God himself could fit inside your book bag. Right? That, that, that the God of everything is just, he could fit inside here, and he's got his own little compartment, which is nice, and it's labeled in case of emergency, right? And you got it, and so you just kind of carry it with you. Uh, and he's small, you know, he's my size God, and he fits in my backpack, and you're going through your day. And again, it's great because you're living for your kingdom, right? Your kingdom is awesome because you're the king or you're the queen. Uh, and then you find out uh, that your grandmother is sick. And like you're really close to your grandmother. And so you're thinking, well, well, I love my grandmother and like I'm not a doctor, so I don't really know what to, wait, I got it. I, I got just the thing right here. Okay, uh, let me see. This is where he is. And so then you pull out God, right, of your little backpack and you sit, you know, you blow him off because it's been a while. And so then you set him down and then you're like, uh, okay, uh, dear God, I think it's funny. Okay, dear God, um... I don't know if you know my grandmother. Her name is Norma Jean. She's pretty cool. Anyways, uh, she's, she's not doing good. Gosh, she got, she's got a, like a stomach thing, and we're not really, like the doctors don't really know what it is. But I heard that you have some magical healing powers. So could you, um, could you like fix her or like, you know, wand something? Jesus' name, amen. Okay, cool. Uh, thank you. And then you put God right back in your book bag, and then you move about your day. Because you're praying to a backpack God. Now, now, maybe for some of you, some of you, uh, you bring out God on Thursdays, right? Because you love, you love coming to M12. You love coming to M12. And so, and so, like, you're at M12, and, like, the song is going, right? It's, like, the first song. And then you're like, hey, oh, I know what I need to do. Let me get, okay, here you go. Um, hey, God, it's, uh, it's been about a week um, since I last talked to you. So here's the deal. I'm at M12, and, and the band is playing, but I don't really feel you right now, and usually I do. Uh, and I, you know, I think it's because I had a bad day and stuff. So, anyways, I want to feel you 
And usually it's like the second or the third song, and they're wrapping up the first song. So if you can make me feel you, little backpack God, can you make me feel you? And if I could feel you, that would be great. Amen, right? And then, and then you start feeling a little bit better, and you're hanging out with your friends at the end of the night. And you get to the end of the night, you're like, God, that was awesome. Man, I had a great time at him. God, you're so, man, you're really cool. Anyways, so good to see you again, and we will see you next week. And you go about your day because you're praying to a backpack God. Now, now others of you, like you've had something happen recently uh, where you realize you needed help. And maybe, maybe there's even some of you that recently you accepted Christ as your Savior. And so you, you, you brought God out of your backpack and then you, um, you actually like let him stay out of the backpack for quite a while. Which is good because like he needed some sun, right? He was getting a little pale in your backpack. And so God is hanging out now and he's outside and he's, you know, got a little bit of breathing room. And the cool thing is that after a few days, you've kept him out of your backpack and like you feel like you're starting to get closer to him, which is awesome. Then, wouldn't you know it, that pesky backpack God starts talking to you and he starts calling out some stuff that's going on in your life and he starts talking about habits that you have and you're like, I didn't ask for your opinion. Get back in there, God. If I need something, I'm going to talk to you. You're not allowed to talk to me. When I need something, I'll call. Thank you so much. And you move about your day with your backpack, God. Because God's small. He's a little, fits inside your backpack. He's like a little miniature leprechaun, right? And you, if you need something, you ask him for it. And then you kind of put him away. He's your little backpack, God. And then Jesus steps on the scene, and he begins to pray, and he says, Our Father in heaven, you don't fit inside my book bag. You don't even fit on this earth, because you created the earth. You are in heaven. You are bigger than I can possibly imagine. You hold the universe in your hand. You are such a big God, I can't even comprehend how big you are. In fact, you are so big that even your name is in a separate category. It's different from any other name that I know. Your name is huge. It's giant. In fact, your name, just your name, is so big and so powerful, I can't even know what your name is. That's how big you are, my big God. And yet, even though you are infinite, and even though we are a speck of dust and you hold the universe in your hand, you love me. And you're my dad. And even though you're infinite, you're intimate with me. You're my dad in heaven. And you're not the reflection of my dad on earth. No, no, no. You are the perfection of my dad on earth. And so my dad, even though sometimes he's loving, you're even more loving than he is. And sometimes he's gracious, you're even more gracious than he is. And unlike my dad, you don't ever leave me. And you will never forsake me. And you will never abuse me because you are not the reflection of my dad. You are the perfection of my dad. And the gap between who my dad is and who I want my dad to be, there is no gap with you, God. You are everything I want in a dad. And so you are huge and you are big and yet you are. My dad. And yet you're my dad. And that's how Jesus prayed. See, he didn't pray to a little backpack God. He prayed like this. He said this. He said, our father in heaven, big, unbelievable God with a big old name that's bigger than I can possibly understand, and yet you're my dad, not the reflection of my dad, but the perfection of my dad.
And before I move on, and before I talk about anything else, and before I talk about all the stuff that I want, or God, would you forgive me, before I do anything, I need to know who I'm addressing. I need to make sure that I get a full picture of who you are because you're a big God. You're not a little backpack God because, God, you don't fit inside my backpack. We fit inside your backpack. You're a giant God. And before we move on, you got to know this. Before you pray anything, you got to know who you're addressing. you got to know who you're talking to. And then, then, once you've come around to the truth that your God is big and that he's in heaven and yet he loves you intimately, Jesus prayed this. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, because I've got a kingdom that's built on my Instagram likes and my retweets and all the friends that I have and all the stuff my parents have and all the stuff that I have. But God, when I pray to you, I pray that your kingdom would come, not my kingdom. And when there's like a discrepancy, when there's a conflict between my kingdom and your kingdom, I want your kingdom to win. Which means, God, whatever you ask of me, the answer is yes. And if I ask something of you, even if you say no, that's okay with me. Your kingdom come, not my kingdom. It's not about my kingdom. In fact, we said this last week. We said true prayer is focused on God's kingdom. God's kingdom, not mine. It's about building God's kingdom, not mine. It's not about how popular I am. It's not about what my friends have. Not about what my parents have. Not about the stuff that's in my room. Not about anything social media, not about anything related to Snapchat or Twitter or anything else. It's about your kingdom, God. And so today, I'm not living for my kingdom. I just want you to know I'm living for your kingdom, and I mean it. I mean it. And this is how Jesus taught us to pray. And this is where we left off last week. And some of you know this. Um, so last week, we, we kind of ended here and... Initially, that was not my intention. Uh, when I was preparing for this, I thought, dude, I can't wait to go through the whole Lord's Prayer, and we're going to do it this one week, and then the second week, we're going to do something else. But as I was preparing, uh, the, the, the sermon for the Lord's Prayer was close to two hours long, which I thought is a little long for some of you. Um, maybe some of you. Maybe not. Maybe you guys are like, give me two hours. I'm ready right now. Is that anyone? No, I didn't think so. Um, okay, yeah. So, so I thought, okay, well, I need to split it up then. So we're going to do the first half of the prayer one week, and then we're going to do the second half the other week. Now, here's the, here's the issue. Um, here's the reason I did not want to do that, because of this week. Because I was afraid that if you, if, if, if you only begin praying with the second half of Jesus' prayer, then you've missed it. In other words, the second half of Jesus' prayer can only be understood in the context of the first half. So if you start right in the middle, it's not the prayer that Jesus laid out for us. It's not. And so if you weren't here last week, or maybe you like forgot what last week was all about, please do this. Please talk to your life group leader, or please talk to someone that was here last week and say, hey, fill me in on what happened last week. I want to know about the first half of the prayer, because I'm telling you, the rest of the stuff we're going to talk about tonight will not make sense. It's not going to work. It's not the prayer that Jesus outlined for us if you don't start at the beginning, because the first thing you got to do is recognize who God is, who you're talking to, and next you got to lay down your own will and say, God, I'm for you, not for me. And then once you do that, you move on to the next part which is this, give us, thumbs up, give us today our daily bread, right? This is the part we love. It's the gimme verse. This is, this is where we get to say, like, like some of you have been looking forward to this because this is like all you pray. You're like, dude, that's like, like every time I pray, I say this. I say, God, gimme. God, would you gimme this stuff, right? And I actually love this verse for two reasons. Here's why. Uh, number one is because it's a gimme verse. I, I'm just like you. I love asking for things. 
Uh, so I love saying gimme to God. But number two um, is, be, is, is because food, right? It's food. Yes. Jesus talks about food. And so like, I think if I were to say this, I'll say, God, give us today our daily bread with some Nutella on top, please, and thank you. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I want when I pray. And so I love this verse because it talks about food and it talks about gimme. And if, if this is the first time you're seeing it, uh, or, you know, like maybe you're looking at it again for the, for the first time, kind of with some fresh eyes, you may look at that and say, it looks to me like that verse is all about me asking God for stuff. And I want to tell you something. You're right. It is. It's good news. This is about us asking God for stuff. In fact, if you want to know, there's, there's other verses where Jesus talks about the fact that we can ask him for anything. So there are verses, like if you're wondering if we're supposed to ask God for stuff, the answer is yes, and this is one of those verses. It says, gimme. God, I want to ask you for stuff. But that's not the only thing this verse is saying. And, and, and if the only thing you take away from this verse is gimme, then you've missed it. You've missed it. Because the way Jesus said this verse, the context that he used, it was about the character of God more than anything else. See, when, um, when my wife and I sit down to eat, which we love to do, um, love eating, then uh, right before we eat, uh, we pray for our meal. And some of you do this, right? Like you sit down and before you, before you eat, you pray. And uh, we don't say the same thing every time, but, but, but usually it kind of follows a pattern, if you will. And again, it's not the same words, but we say something along the lines of, hey God, um, thanks so much for this food. Uh, you gave it to us, so thanks for that. And um, I love pizza, and I love Mongolian beef, so thanks, and in Jesus' name, amen, right? And that's kind of the way we pray. And, and, and this is pretty much, again, it doesn't have to be long because there's like steaming hot Mongolian beef in front of you, you know what I'm saying? Like, God knows you're hungry, go eat it. But anyways, um, and, so, and so that's what we do when we pray, and uh, we've been doing this for a while. But this prayer changed for me about, about four months ago because a guy came up to me, about four months ago, and he said, hey, uh, I, I want to buy you and your wife some food, which, um, for the record, we've actually had uh, a few small group leaders and other parents, like your parents, that have offered to buy Catherine and I food, which is so crazy gracious, and that's awesome, and that's not required at all, but like it happens, which is amazing, but this guy was different. He didn't, he didn't want to just like take us out to eat, although that's awesome. What he said was this. He said, I, I, what I want to do, God kind of led me to stock your freezer. So I got, I'm going to get a bunch of meat, like chicken and steak and fish and pork, and I want to just fill up your freezer with as much food as it can possibly handle, and it's yours for free. So take it. And not only that, but when it starts getting low, I want you to call me, and I want you to text me, and you got to do this, Steve. I want you to call me and text me because I want to fill it up again. And I want to make sure that you never have to pay for food ever again so that it's always stocked in your freezer forever and ever. That happened four months ago. And since then, he's restocked our freezer twice. It's true to his word. Since four months ago, we have not had to pay for meat at all. It's crazy, right? Like that, that is unbelievable. But here's the cool part. About four months ago, when, when you first made the offer and you know, we put it in our freezer, Catherine and I were like, dude, this is... This is, this is crazy. Like, I can't believe. I can't believe this is happening. And so we, uh, the first thing we ate was steak because I love steak. And so we, we cooked steak like normal, and then we sat down, and we had the food in front of us. And it was like, okay, we got to pray. And so we started to pray, and I said, God, thank you so much for the food that you've, that you've given us. 
holy cow, God, you gave us this food. No, no, no. I mean, this isn't like, yeah, you gave us food. No, you literally gave us, like, it's as if from heaven there's food on my plate. I didn't pay for that. I didn't earn it. I didn't go to the store to buy it. It's food for free that you gave us. Holy cow, God, you literally gave us this food. And I start freaking out mid-prayer, and Catherine's like, I'm hungry. Can we eat? Right? But it's like, this is, no, like, there's food on my table. Like, I could not believe there was food on my table that God provided for me. And I realized in that moment something huge, something huge. God, listen in, God is provider. God is provider. If you want to know something about the character of God, it's that he is a provider. And in that moment, I realized God provided the food in front of me. In fact, this is, this is the language that Jesus used. He said this, give us today our daily bread. Now, daily bread meant something very specific. And so when he said this, everyone in the audience understood what he was talking about. He was talking about manna in the desert. Some of you remember this from, from our series next, right? The people of God were wandering around in the desert. And so when you wander in the desert, you can't really stay in one place um, for a long time. So it's not like you can like plant crops and eat the food there, right? You can't really do that because you're wandering. Plus it's a desert, so good luck with that anyway. And so they're like wandering around in the desert and God literally gives them food. Here's what he does. They're, they're chilling, they're sleeping in their tents. And when they wake up in the morning, right, literally right in front of their tent, there's bread on the ground. And so they eat it, and they get up, and they walk. And then the next morning when they wake up, they unzip their tent. And guess what? There's bread on the ground for them. And every single day, God provided bread for them while they were in the desert for 40 years. And Jesus says, just like the Israelites had bread in front of them, daily bread, God provides your daily bread. See, the stuff you have, you didn't earn it. You didn't buy it. God provided it. Now, some of you are starting to argue with me in your head. You're like, no, 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 I actually did pay for this. Or like, no, well, my parents paid for that. Okay, well, let's talk about this. Because I realized shortly after we had all this food in our freezer that really all the food I've ever had in my freezer was provided for me by God. Because here's what happened, right? Uh, I go to work, which, by the way, who's the one that gave me my job? It's God. Okay, so I'm at work, and then for whatever reason, uh, my work is kind enough to actually give me a paycheck, which means I get money. Now, who made them kind enough to do that? It was God. Okay, so I've got money coming from God at a job that came from God, and then I'm at home, right? Well, I want to get some food from the store. So what do I do? I walk. Where did I get my legs from? Who's the one that provided my legs? That's right, it was God. So I walk to my car, right? Where did that car come from? That's right, it came from God. So then I drive to Publix. Where did Publix? You guessed it, God. And I go in there, and there's food everywhere in Publix. Now, where did that food come from? God. He literally, I don't know if you ever thought about this, like when he created the planet Earth and said, I'm going to put some people there, here's what he did. He said, I'm going to put food on the ground. You just got to pick it up. That's literally all you have to do. Like grapes, go pick them up. Like it's food on the ground. You don't have to do any, you just pick up food off the ground. God provided everything that we have, whether you think you bought it or you think you earned it. No, God provided it. God provided it. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying this. Next slide. God won't give us all we want, but he's given us all we have. God will not give us all we want, but he's given us all we have. So this prayer is not about, God, I want to uh, uh, twist your arm. I want to convince you to give me stuff. No, it's about the fact that we're recognizing that God is the provider. God has given us everything that we have. And so if God, who is big, creator of the universe, 
And if he has provided everything we have, then why would we ask anyone else? If you want something, why would you ask anyone else? Jesus is saying, he's so big that you shouldn't ask anyone else. He's the only one that can provide. So go, ask God. And by the way, Jesus does not promise that we're going to get everything we want. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. You know why? Because some of us, we want dumb stuff. Okay? We do, like, like some of you guys are praying to God and you're like, God, if you could get that girl to notice me and if we could like start dating or if she could like me, God, would you please do that? And God's saying, no, she's crazy, bro. You don't want to date her. Okay. You got like, I'm working on her. It, it, it'll be a few years. You got to give me some time. You don't want, I know she looks that. You don't want to date her. Trust me, bro. You're going to thank me later. You don't want to do that. So thank goodness God doesn't give us all we want. But look, you have a heavenly father that gives you everything you need. So ask him. Ask him. You have a God that is big. He is your provider. So ask him. Give us today our daily bread. And then he says this. He says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, here's the cool part about this verse. Jesus did not have to pray this verse. He didn't have to because Jesus never messed up. He never had to apologize to anyone. Never had to say, I'm sorry to God or I'm sorry to someone else. Jesus was not messed up, but he knew that all of you were. And so he gave you this verse. By the way, he knew I was messed up too. And so he gave me this verse because he knew. He knew that there would come a time where you and I would have to get in front of God and say, God, I messed up. God, I'm sorry. God, would you, would you forgive me? And so he gave us graciously this verse that we can pray. God, forgive us our debts. But here's the deal. This verse does not have a period in it. It's got a comma right there. Now, a period means that's a full sentence. That's a complete thought. Move on to the next thing. That's what a period means. A comma means there's more. It means this is not the end of the thought. This is not the complete thought. And so this is what Jesus says. And forgive us our debts, comma, there's more. This is not the end of the thought. Forgive us our debts. And then there's something else. As we also have forgiven our debtors. This is really uncomfortable for us. Because see, we love the part about God, would you forgive me? That's really fun to pray because we mess up and then God forgives us. That's awesome. What we don't like is forgiving others. And yet Jesus here links our forgiveness from God to our forgiveness of other people. And you cannot separate those two things. God is saying, whether you realize it or not, your forgiveness from God is linked to your forgiveness of other people. And so what you're actually praying is, God, would you forgive me the exact same way I forgive other people? And that is a dangerous, dangerous verse. Because for some of you, you start thinking of your ex-best friend. You start thinking of that person and that that face comes to mind and you get angry and you get upset. And maybe some of you have even began praying and you're talking with God and all of a sudden this face comes up and you're like, God, I'm distracted. God, I don't want to think about that anymore. And God's saying, no, 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 I want you to think about that because your forgiveness is related to you forgiving them. In fact, some of you, some of you have prayed to God over and over again, God, would you forgive me? God, would you forgive me? God, would you forgive me? And the more you pray this, you, you keep hoping that you will feel better, but for whatever reason, you still feel guilt. You still feel ashamed. You still feel like you've messed up. You still feel like you need to apologize. You keep going to God and you keep asking for forgiveness, but nothing seems to work. And you think 
the problem is between you and God. And the truth is the problem is between you and someone else. That the reason you don't accept God's forgiveness, the reason you don't believe God's forgiveness is because you have not forgiven someone else. And so your forgiveness from God is related to the forgiveness you offer to other people. See, because this is what this prayer should actually be. It should be, God, I'm looking at my sin. I'm looking at my debt, and it's huge, and it's enormous, and I'm so sorry. And now I'm looking at what they owe me. And you know what? Compared to what I owe you, it's not really that bad. Yeah, God, they're, they're messed up. They did that to me, and I don't like that. But God, what I did to you is even worse. And so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And here's the deal. When you pray this part of the verse, here's what I would encourage you to do, and you're not going to like me for this, but I want you to stay on your knees praying this verse until all the people you need to forgive are forgiven. All, not, not the people that you've upset, the people that upset you, the people that make your blood boil, the people that just make you upset when you think about them. Those are the people you need to forgive. And God would say, before you move on, Forgive them. Forgive them. Now, here's, here's the last part of the, of the prayer. It says, and lead us not into temptation. We can find it all by ourselves. I'm just kidding. That's actually not what it says. Uh, Jesus did not say that. Uh, he actually said this. He said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one or from evil. In other words, God, you know what? I, uh, I used to be living this life where I was all about me. And I just want you to know I'm not going to live that life anymore. God, would you keep me from temptation? Would you keep me from the life that I used to live? God, I'm not about that life anymore. I'm about you. And so I want to follow you. Now, unfortunately, this is not usually the way that we pray. Usually, especially when we talk about forgiveness, this is kind of the way that we pray. Um, we pray uh, with our little sin bucket. Okay? And here's what I mean. Our sin bucket is full of all the stuff that we've done, right? All the sin, all the mistakes, all the stuff that we later regret. And, and then like we, we're kind of living life on our own, and our sin bucket starts to get filled up until finally it's overflowing and life is a mess. So then you go to God and you say, God, I'm sorry. My sin bucket is crazy full, and I need you to forgive me because this is a mess. My life is a mess. Jesus, would you forgive me? And God says, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Because of Jesus, because Jesus died on the cross for you, I'll forgive you. And so you can empty that sin bucket. And you're like, oh, I, I can? And so you empty it out, and it's all gone. All of your sin is gone, and you're looking at it. And you're like, oh, my gosh, my sin bucket is empty. My sin bucket is empty. My, my sin bucket is empty. I can fill it up again real quick. So then you go out and you fill up your sin bucket again and it's full to the brim and then all of a sudden your life is messed up and you say, God, I don't know how this happened. My sin bucket is full again. Can you forgive me? And God says, yeah, I forgive you. Cool. Thanks, God. We'll see you. And then you fill up the sin bucket again and it's full to the brim and you come back and you're like, whoopsie-doo. I don't know how that happened. Thanks, God. We'll see you later. And then you come back and then you fill it up again. You come back to God and you're like, wow, I don't, it's weird. It happens, but whatever. I'm sorry. And then you go back and you keep on filling up your sin bucket and then emptying your sin bucket with God and then fill it up again and then God would you forgive me and you fill it up again and I think that this mindset would make Jesus vomit this is not the way we're supposed to be living our lives prayer is not about emptying our sin bucket so we can go fill it up again 
Prayer is about saying, God, I don't want to do that anymore. In other words, God, I don't want to go where I know I'll be tempted. God, I don't want to go where I know I'll be tempted. God, the people that will lead me into temptation, the websites that are going to lead me into temptation, the Twitter accounts, the Instagram accounts that are going to lead me into temptation, I want you to know that I don't want to go where I know I'll be tempted. See, when I was, um, when I was in middle school and high school, I, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm a warm-blooded American male, and so I struggle with a lot of the same things that guys struggle with. And when I was in middle school and high school, lust was an issue, man. It was tough. And, uh, and I loved God. I had a relationship with God. I read my Bible. I prayed. But often my prayers would, would be like, God, I messed up again, man. I lusted, and, and, and I, don't, I don't mean to, and I'm sorry. And then I would leave, and I would fill up my sin bucket again. And I would come back to God and say, God, I'm really sorry, and I'd empty it out. And then I'd go out, and I'd fill up my sin bucket again, and then I'd come back, and God, I'm really sorry. And I kept up this pattern for a long time. And then uh, and I remember one time I was praying, and I said, God, I'm really sorry. And he says, you are? <laughs> Why do you go where you know you'll be tempted? Why do you watch those movies when you know they're going to lead you to lust? Why do you look at that magazine? Why do you go to that website? Why do you go where you know you'll be tempted? You say, lead us not into temptation, and yet you're going there willingly, all by yourself. Why do you go where you know you'll be tempted? And in that moment, I realized that I, I was willingly going where I knew I shouldn't have gone. And so that was a point where I made a decision. I said, God, I'm not going to watch any rated R movies ever again. I won't. Not because all rated R movies are bad, but because some of them lead me to lust. And because some of them lead me to lust, I'm not going to go where I know I'll be tempted. I also made sure to block websites on my computer because I don't want to go where I know I'll be tempted. I made sure there were TV shows that I used to watch. And 90% of the time, those TV shows were fine, but 10% of the time, they would lead me to lust. And so I said, I'm not going to watch those shows anymore because I don't want to go where I know I'll be tempted. And some of you, you got friends that every time you hang out with them, you do stuff that you later regret. Why do you go where you know you'll be tempted? Some of you have made a commitment. You're like, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to drink anymore. And then you get invited to that party and you're like, I'm not going to drink, but I'm going to go to the party. And then you go to the party and then you drink. And then you feel bad and you're like, God, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to do that anymore. And then you get invited to another party and so you go to that party. And you drink. And God's saying, why do you go where you know you'll be tempted? Just don't go to the party. Just don't do that. For some of you, it's people that you're hanging out with. And you're going where you know you'll be tempted. Some of you, you follow Twitter accounts. And you follow Instagram accounts that lead you to lust like nothing else. Why do you go where you know you'll be tempted? Stop following those accounts. Block them. Get rid of them. If, you, like, like if you're actually going to pray and mean, lead us not into temptation, it means don't go where you know you'll be tempted. In fact, I would rather you just not pray that prayer at the end. I don't, I don't want you to pray it and not mean it. I would, if, if you're actually going to pray that prayer, I want you to mean it. 
and say, God, I'm not going to go where I know I'll be tempted. And this is the way that Jesus taught us to pray. This is it. And so my question for you is, will you commit to praying like Jesus? Will you commit to praying like Jesus? Because I'm telling you, man, there is, there's, prayer is more than just talking to the air. It's more than just repeating some lines over and over again. It's more than just saying stuff that sounds good. Prayer, uh, uh, with prayer, there is, there's relational breakthrough. There's emotional breakthrough. There's spiritual breakthrough. There's a legitimate connection with God. Your life could be changed. Your families could be changed. Imagine if just the people in this room committed to praying like Jesus. Imagine. Imagine what would happen if all of us in this room said, okay, all right, I'm going to pray like Jesus. Imagine the difference that could be made. When you go back to school, imagine the difference that could be made in your school. Some of you are going to NTS camp. <laughs> imagine. Imagine what God could do at NTS camp. If every morning you woke up and you committed to praying like this and you started off and you said, God, I'm really excited to be at camp, but I want you to know that you're, you're bigger than me and you don't fit inside my backpack. I fit inside yours and you're a God of everything and you're so big. Your name is like, like I can't even understand it and yet you're intimate with me. You love me. And my dad is terrible, or maybe my dad is awesome, but you're not the reflection of my dad, as good or as bad as my dad is. You are the perfection of my dad. And so when I'm praying to you, I'm talking to a perfect heavenly father who's bigger than I can possibly understand. And even though I'm small, I'm like a speck of dust, and you hold the universe in your hand. You know me and you love me. And so because of that, why would I live for my kingdom? And so today at NTS camp, I'm not going to try to just be all about me, even in the team competitions. I'm going to be all about you. And the way that I treat people, when I'm at the dining hall, when I'm hanging out with my friends, I just want you to know that if there's ever a point today when the things that I want bump up against the things that you want, I want you to win. And so, so even if it hurts, even if it's uncomfortable, God, I want you to know the answer is yes. Whatever you ask, the answer is yes. And God, you're my provider. You, you, you literally give me everything that I have. You're the one that made everything. You've given me everything. And so why would I ask anyone else? Because you're big. You're huge. And so I, I'm going to ask you for stuff. Not because I think you're going to give me everything I want. <laughs> because you love me. I mean, you're my dad. So you give me stuff. And God... I need forgiveness, but I also need to forgive others. And so the people back home that I need to forgive, would you help me forgive them? God, I'm going to even ask that you would like bring to light the people that I need to forgive. Would you give me like a face or a name? Someone I need to say I'm sorry to when I get back home. Someone that I need to forgive when I get back home. And finally, God, I want you to know that I'm not going to live my life for me anymore. I'm not about that life anymore. I want to follow you. And so I don't want to go where I know I'll be tempted. Would you keep me from that? And just, I'm telling you, if you did this, and if you said these words, and you actually meant it, 
you would not believe what God would do in your life. You would not believe how different your life could be. How Thursdays are not just this thing that you come to and you have a good time, but your life is actually changed by Jesus. Man, that's what we hope. And if you pray this, I think it'll happen. I really do. So would you commit to praying like Jesus? And imagine the life that you could live. Imagine the life that God has for you. So let me pray for you. So God, I... I uh, you're huge. And like, I don't, like, I haven't done anything to deserve you listening to me. And uh, there's nothing on my own that, is, that, that, that has made me worthy to even come talk to you. God, you're bigger than I can possibly understand. You're bigger than the state of Georgia. You're bigger than NTS camp. You're bigger than the Southeast. You're bigger than this country. You're bigger than the planet. You're bigger than the galaxy that we're spinning around in. God, you're huge. You're big. And yet you're my dad. You provide everything, so why would I go anywhere else? So God, I want to ask you something very specific for these students. I want you to change the way they pray. I want you to change their mindset so they stop praying to a backpack God and they start praying to a God that's bigger than they can possibly imagine. And I want you to change their life. So would you give them the wisdom to know how to pray like you? Would you give them the courage to actually do it? And I pray that as they, as they kneel down to pray and to talk to you, that they would stop at every line and they wouldn't move on until they actually mean it. So Jesus, would you teach them how to pray? Just like you've taught me how to pray. I love you. In Jesus' name.